Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire 51. I'm your host, Jeff Tharp. I'm excited about today's episode. I'm always excited. But today, especially, um, we are going to be tackling a uh, topic that is, um, you know, it's filling a lot of the church, um, you know, in, in different pockets right now. That's the topic of cessationism. And I could talk about it a lot, but my guest today knows a lot about this topic. And she's a gifted teacher. She's the founder of Celebrate Freedom Ministries. Let's welcome my guest today, Yvonne Atia. Hi, Jeff. Hi. So Thank good. you so much for coming back on the show. It's it's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Always yeah. a pleasure being on Elijah with you. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Fire and Elijah streams. And Elijah so, streams. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's just get right into it because there's a lot to say about this. Um, so we t- we mentioned cessationism. There are a lot of people I've talked to that actually don't even know what it is, but it's one of those things I find that once you know what it is, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that before in in different churches. So what is cessationism? Sure. So if we were to break down the word, it's it comes from the word cease, like stop. So it is the belief that the New Testament um, spiritual gifts, as in speaking in tongues, healing, prophecy, they have ceased, as in they have stopped at the end of the apostolic age. So when the canon or when the Bible was compiled together, all these spiritual gifts were, they've stopped. The opposite of that word is the continuation. So we have two groups in the church. We have the cessationist camp and we have the continuation camp. The continuation camp, they believe that the gifts for the church are still active that believers are empowered um, to have those gifts and to minister those gifts. Cessationist is the opposite of continuation. Those gifts, they have ceased. um, And there's obviously some biblical passages that they refer to and some parts in the book of Acts that they rely on. So what are those scriptures? Because I've always been curious. I've heard one or two that they throw out there. Um, but what are what are some of those scriptures? Sure. So the first one, um, which is one of the foundational ones, is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, in that particular chapter, the Apostle Paul is really not putting forward a case um, that spiritual gifts has ceased. He's actually talking about love. So this whole chapter, it's, you know, love is kind, love is patient. But towards the end of the chapter, from verses 8 to 10, he says this. He says, love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. So the word that is, you know, right now it's being questioned Perfection. What is perfection? So many people believe that when the perfect comes, that is the second coming of Christ. So we believe that when the second coming of Christ or when he comes back, he is the perfection. People who are for the cessationist theology, they believe that perfection is when the canon 
Um, and obviously they believe that the word of God is perfect. And of course it is. So when it was put together, there is no more need for that. Another scripture they rely on is Ephesians 2.20. Built that our faith is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. So who are the apostles? Who are the prophets? These are not New Testament prophets. They don't believe that these exist. They are referring to Old Testament prophets and they are referring to old, to the apostles that were around during Jesus' time. And so Jesus Christ, he is the cornerstone. In other words, there is no more prophets after that era. There is no more apostles. And they note um, that in the book of Acts, especially um, towards the beginning of the book of Acts, the first beginning chapters, you get to see Luke, who was the writer, focusing so much about the ministry of Peter and Paul. And he mentions so many spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. But towards the end, there's hardly any spiritual gifts. And it's more to do with church planting. Um, the Apostle Paul even mentions that um, in the epistles that he prayed for a couple of people and they weren't healed. Timothy was asked to receive wine for his stomach. So they're saying, okay, the, the apostolic, those gifts or the spiritual gifts were already ending towards that. So towards the end of the book of Acts, you don't get to see as many occurrences as of spiritual gifts um, as, as you see at the beginning. So these are the two main texts. Hmm. And then we have authoritative voices because of the lack of experience. A, lo a lot of people did, were not open to the Holy Spirit. So a lot of the time, um, how can I say this? Um, after the Reformation era began, we end up with Martin Luther. And he really was hurt by the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So he went out of the Catholic Church and he said, I protest. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And he said, sola scripture. In other words, we only believe in the Bible as the authoritative voice. But then at the same time, he came against spiritual gifts very hard because he said, well, if the Catholic Church is so corrupt and all you get to hear is all the miracles and the signs of their saints, we don't want to have anything to do with this. This are counterfeit. Mm -hmm. So later on, we get to meet a young man. And for those of us that are studying this topic, he has a very authoritative voice in that movement. His name is Benjamin Warfield. He wrote a book called Counterfeit Miracles. And until now, um, many, many cessationists that rely heavily on his theology. Mm. This is what he wrote. It's very important for, for us to lay the, the background. Right. Because you might think, I don't believe in, in signs and wonders. You're going to question why. This is why, because yeah. <laughs> this foundation has been in place. So he was a professor. So he's a big guy in the faith. And this is what he said. He said, miraculous gifts have ceased at the end of the apostolic age. He argued that miraculous gifts of the spirit were only given to few. And I want to highlight that because we're going to tackle that later. Um, namely, the apostles. So only the apostles, they had spiritual gifts. 
And then he says, the purpose of these gifts, according to Warfield, was to authenticate the apostles as trustworthy teachers of doctrine. When the apostles died, their gifts have ceased and passed off. So you could see, Jeff, if you are born into such a tradition mm-hmm. and you get to watch, for example, you know, um, prophets now speaking into what God's doing in our country or right. what they hear God doing, you're disturbed, you're confused, you like what you're hearing, you want to believe that God still speaks. But at the same time, you are challenged because you've been indoctrinated. That's, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So we need to go deeper. We need to be open. I guess even before I begin to um, defend that position, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you open my heart, mm. open my mind? Because we are talking about spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand and hear what, what, what is being said about what the Bible has to say about those gifts. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And it really, just when you were talking about Martin Luther during the Reformation period, the Catholic Church, yes, there's a lot, there was a lot of corruption, especially around that time. Um, it does seem like from the interviews I've heard with, with people who are cessationists, sometimes people are cessationists and they don't even, almost don't even know it. Like there's this, it always seems like there's this naysaying, like, because even where I came from before I came into the, the charismatic, was very much like, well, I do believe in prophets, but, and then every, every prophecy I heard, you immediately shoot it down. Any healing that seems outside of like, Jesus healed my cut on my arm. You're like, ah, but did that really happen? You know, so it's interesting how there's, I think our culture right now has definitely not helped with that. Now, like we talked about in the last episode, you're on, which I will link in the description, everybody. It's about new age and why people are getting the new age. It is interesting that there is a rise. It does seem like there's a a rise in spiritual activity where people are becoming more sensitive for better or for worse. Like sometimes people get into that, you know, the the new age or whatever, but it does seem like people's spiritual sensitivity is rising, even in the church. I can even testify within myself. Um, But it does seem like with cessationism, there is, um, I don't know if it's on the decline. Would you say that it's on the decline? Do you know? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was yeah. hearing, um, num- uh, stati- I was reading statistics by John MacArthur himself. And he says that this movement is just taking over. So yes, and without the, I'm not defending the Pentecostal or the charismatic movement. Mm-hmm. But without this movement, I don't know, Jeff, where we would be today. Yeah. So absolutely, because people are hungry. I was a cessationist. I was raised up in a cessation. Mm. My grandfather was a cessationist. Mm. So, um, and the way I got introduced to it was just really crazy. But I came to a place where either the book of Acts is false. That's, that, that was what I... <laughs> yeah, I, sure, I, yeah. Right? Because I was challenged, Jeff. I yeah. was like, okay... Jesus says believers should lay their hands on the sick and they should recover. Okay, I'm a believer. I've never seen this happen in my church. I've never mm-hmm. laid on my hands on any of So is this true or is this false? Yeah. And I went to a place of not challenging God, but just crying out, God, mm-hmm. I want to know the truth. 
it is on the rise, especially among young people. Yeah. Believe it or not, yes, there is an openness to spirituality right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, especially the, the younger generation, they are rejecting going to a church to just sit and listen to a sermon, sing a couple of hymns and go home. They right. want a real deal. They want, yeah, absolutely. They want to be, be set free from drug addiction right now. Yeah. They want to yeah. be delivered. They, they want to experience to, Jesus, like the Jesus that they is in the Bible. They want to experience him. <laughs> yes. And it does. I, re, I realize I didn't finish my thought with cessationism. It really does. It does seem like just from Martin Luther's experience with the Catholic Church and then other even more modern cessationists, it does seem like there's um, a couple. Of, it's not a one size fits all explanation, but it does seem like there's a lot of pain. Like yes. a disappointment. I did yeah. pray for somebody. Nothing happened. Yes. My mom w- had cancer. We prayed. Nothing happened. Ergo, God doesn't heal people. And it does seem like for some, the cessationist ideology is an effort to try and explain away why something did or did not happen Yes, within, within in regards to God healing, do, doing a miracle, providing, whatever the case may be. So it does seem like there is a little bit of that. So Ivana and I, before the show, were really, really talking about. I have no hatred towards, towards people who hold a cessationist ideology. I don't. What I often pray is for them to have an encounter with God they cannot explain away, um, and often that's the best way. <laughs> you know, something happens and all of a sudden it, it it destroys all of your theology and the way you saw things, and all of a sudden you're like. Whoa. And that's what happened to me. I've shared that before a couple of times on here that, you know, I was raised Lutheran, which is, you know, not signs and wonders. Uh, and, um, and you, you just have experience with the Lord. You can't explain them away. Yvonne, I'm sure you had similar things happen to you as well. Absolutely. Jeff. I remember witnessing the first healing. I remember I, I was invited to a pastor's event in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And we went there, and on the final night of the conference, the pastor who was meant to preach the word, he got sick and he didn't come. So they, they brought someone else, and he said, hey, let's pray for the sick. And he, they were praying for the sick, and this Muslim man came on a stretcher. And he had a motorbike accident. He came in completely destroyed. Apparently, mm-hmm. he had this horrible accident, and his bones, they were not healing. And um, so they said, let's pray for this. And I'm standing there thinking, there is no way anything can happen. Like this is, I was, I'll be honest with you. I was judging, I wasn't praying, I was looking around. And then he said, why don't you pray for this person as if this is your brother or your sister? Again, I'm just thinking, seriously, like you've got to be Come on, man. Yeah. This man gets healed right in front of my eyes. And when they did the altar call, over 30 people of his family, they're all Muslims. They came in with the scarf. They were watching what happened. They all gave their lives to Jesus. Wow. What happened to me that day was crazy. I've been wanting to lead Muslims to Jesus, but it was always through apologetics. It was always through, I want to convince them. I want them to believe that their faith is false. But that was like, wow, that's so different. If I was to minister the love of God, I I tell you this, Jeff, the biggest evidence that Jesus is alive 
is that right now we have healings and deliverances. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest evidence. I don't want to preach of a historical Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about a Jesus who resurrected 2,000 years ago, but sitting up in heaven watching all this suffering, but not intervening or giving me promises and not fulfilling my promises. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was reading the book of Acts and coming across all these passages that say that we believers are meant to pray for the sick and that those spiritual gifts are still there. Jeff, I was in tears. Mm-hmm. I, had, I was in a church where that wasn't the case. I didn't know what to do. I would mm-hmm. sit in the car and weep. And mm-hmm. I would say to the Lord, you're going to have to do something because I'm being challenged. Mm-hmm. So I remember going to a library and walking and saying, Lord, just show me a book to read. Answer my question. And I look in front of me and there was a book called Holy Discontent. Wow. Okay. And I picked up that book, which was quite interesting mm-hmm. because I felt that I was discontent, mm-hmm. but I was discontent in a holy way. There is something that I was searching for. There was something that was missing, but I just didn't know. And the purpose of today's um, episode, it's just to ignite hunger. It's mm-hmm. to be like, hmm, holy discontent. You yeah. Know? Now discontent, yeah. you told me that ordinary people are called to do super ordinary things. Mm-hmm. But the miraculous gifts are still active in the church. God wants to use me to perform all these miracles. You've just made me hungry. Mm. Now I want to maybe the biblical evidence of that because I don't want to run after counterfeit miracles. I want the real thing. And I tell you something, Jeff, sometimes the charismatic movement in being fair hasn't helped because sometimes you get to hear of miracles. Oh, you know, they, they exaggerate. We are not there to exaggerate. Say the miracle as it happened. So sometimes when you exaggerate and people know, oh, you just got, you just received medicine and that's how you felt better. It wasn't God. And here you are saying, oh, this. So if you're a cessationist, you think, oh, okay, that's why I don't want to touch this. So it's a call to both parties. If you are in the miraculous, be faithful Mm, to what God is doing. Please do not exaggerate. Please do not lie. Because so good. Yes. You know, we need to serve the Lord out of integrity. Yeah. If the Lord just healed you 50%, just say it. It's okay. The best answer I give to people is, I don't know. Why is this person not healed? I actually don't know. My mm-hmm. role is to pray. God's role is to heal. Yep. That way we become humble about what God wants to do mm-hmm. rather than come across as, oh, we've got all the answers. No, we don't. We don't have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that is is um you know when you do get pray you get prayed for and god only heals 50 percent. that was something that's actually kind of new to me i was like i used to be very black and white he either heals or he doesn't if it's 50 percent, then they're you know you try to make up all these like, explanations in your brain as to why but ultimately it comes back to what you're saying of of I, sometimes he does sometimes he doesn't he's god i'm not my job is to go to preach the gospel to pray yeah. for the sick and God is the one that heals. It's not me. So we prayed for a friend's mom um, a couple of weeks back and there was not total healing, but there was relief. And right. so I just stand in the gap and I'm like, let's just go for the, let's go for the 50, you know, the, the other 50%, like let's continue to pray for that. Let's continue to fast for that, you know, um, and just, you know, but ultimately it's going to be God that's going to heal that person. So 
I, I, yeah, that's great. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. And you know, Jeff, I'm get, I've learned something. Healing is not an event. It's a journey. Mm. It's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's when you've settled that in your mind that God wants this done for me. And so I am on this journey of discovering what God wants to do to achieve this healing through my body or through my mind. So it's a journey, but it's a walking of humility. Trust mm-hmm. me, the healing ministry makes you so humble because <laughs> when you pray for those and, you know, they don't get healed, right? Right. You become so humble because, you know, it's not about you. You are a vessel that God is using. And the more humble you are, the more you die to self, the more yeah. God will exalt himself yeah. in us. Yeah. So all that to say, do did spiritual gifts or all that to ask, did spiritual gifts cease in early church history? <laughs> yes or no, Yvonne? No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's let's make this clear, Jeff. Yeah. All through church history, all through church history, um, they have never ceased. There was periods of time where they were more evident than others. I'm not going to go into a lot of the historical background, but pick, for example, Augustine. Augustine, his mother uh, was a believer. Her name is Queen Helena. She saw a vision and she saw the sound of the cross and she heard a voice saying, by this sign, your son will win the war. So her son, who wasn't hardcore believer, did win the war. And as a result, I think in the year three to 400, he legalized Christianity. Now, before he legalized Christianity, Jeff, believers were on fire for Jesus. They were healing the sick. They were raising the dead. They were persecuted. They were, um, you get to hear of Emperor Nero. He would take the Christian and he yeah. would burn their body yeah, um, into the public streets. So, yeah. But with the persecution, there was a lot of glory. Now, when he, Augustine, became a believer, what he did, he harmed Christianity in one of, in a very relevant way. What he did was he converted all the pagan temples into churches. So you can imagine you're a pagan priest and you're coming the next morning to sacrifice. And all of a sudden there's a cross and you are to worship Jesus. What that did is that it opened up the door to nominal Christianity. In Mm. other words, churches were filled with unbelievers. As a result, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, they never ceased, but they were not evident because these were not strong, genuine believers. It wasn't a true conversion experience for these people. It was mandated versus engaging in a relationship with Jesus on their own and then doing it out of the love for the the Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. Then fast forward. The scientific era began, we call the the Enlightenment. At that time, science, you know, new um, scientific technologies. And so as a result, you know, a lot of believers began to think science is the answer. We just need more scientific advancements and we're going to have all the answers and we're going to have no more sickness and no more disease. So we relied more on scientific advancements rather than on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. As a result, 
um, the occurrences of healing signs and wonders, they were limited. But you know what? Only in the West, in the Eastern places, there were still believers on fire. There was still, so my point is, they have never ceased. Um, there is a beautiful book which I'll suggest. It's called 2000 Years of Charismatic Christianity. Um, and that book goes through every single church era and explains how the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit were always there. So that's from, I guess, a church history point of view. Why don't we look at the Bible? Why don't we go and just see what God is saying about that? I guess the first one is the book of Acts. When we read about Acts 2, which is Pentecost, we get to see, well, actually Acts 1-8, where, you know, we get to say, do, um, let me actually read it for you, where Luke says to the believers that Jesus said to them on one, one occasion that you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you will become a witness for me. And so we get to see that in Pentecost, 120 believers, they were all men, women, children, they all received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the Bible says they spoke in tongues. So that doesn't really go well with the doctrine of cessationism because if this was meant to stop at the end of the apostolic era, why would God pour out the Holy Spirit on 120 believers? It right. wouldn't make sense, right? Yeah, it wasn't just the 12, you know? So, exactly. It yeah. wasn't just the 12. Now, the next one is so good. Jesus used, or when Jesus spoke about the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, like, you know, casting out, well, casting out of demons is actually using the believer's authority. But the gift of healing, for example, we get to see that Jesus used this as a model for ministry. In other words, it wasn't something that Jesus said, this is only for my apostles. No, it was for every believer. Where do I find that? We get to see that in Matthew 9 and from verses 35 to 38, Jesus, we are told that he's been healing the sick. He's preaching the message of the kingdom. And then he saw the crowds and had compassion on them. They were confused. They were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The workers are a few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. So what is he trying to do? Appoint workers. Great. Who are the workers? In Matthew 10, we get to see that he called 12 of his disciples. He gave them authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Awesome. But then it doesn't stop there. The ministry is expanded. And in Luke 10, it says, and the Lord appointed 72 others. Right. I was, I was waiting for it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right. 72 yeah. others, they were appointed to cast out demons mm -hmm. and to heal the sick. Wow. Okay. You might be thinking, hey, I'm not one of the 12. I'm not one of the 72. It's coming. Mark 17. And verses 17 to 18. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Do you believe? Are you a believer? You qualify. What does he say? They will cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new tongues. 
they'll be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't harm them. They lay their hands on the sick and they may recover. No, they will recover. Now, you might be like, where, so where does it say? If, if God intended the spiritual gifts to cease, why would Jesus commission believers to lay their hands on the sick and see them recover? It, it does not make any sense. Right. Right? The third one is the Apostle Paul. I love that. The Apostle Paul believed that every believer must be equipped with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are the tool which will build the believer. It's very unfair for us to preach the gospel with no signs to equip us. It, it's mm -hmm. very unfair. If Jesus operated in words of knowledge, gifts of healing, if the early apostles did, isn't it so unfair for us right now where sin abounds? New age is, is on the rise mm -hmm. and we are so helpless. We have nothing. It's almost like you are throwing me on the battlefield. The enemy is coming against me and you're telling me, Yvonne, fight. Well, I'll be like, Jeff, fight with what? I don't have a gun. I don't have anything to fight with. So spiritual gifts are tools. First Corinthians 12, a spiritual gift is given to every to each believer to help each other or for the edification of the body. And then he goes through them, gifts of healing, miraculous gifts, prophecy. So we get to understand that we so desperately need to be empowered and equipped. And when I know, Jeff, that this is the heart of God for me, I will begin to ask. Jesus said, ask and you will receive, because I just feel it in my heart. Many will hear this and they'll be like, I want, I would love that, ask. Just say, Lord, right now, would you just fill me with the Holy Spirit? Because I am open, I am hungry, and I believe that this is your word that is spoken to me through your people. Hmm. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, and I think also, um, I've talked about this a lot on the show, everybody, that there, are, especially with people that have healing ministries, it takes diligence. It, you know, you may see, like I've seen some healings, um, you know, especially when I first started, I've seen some healings, but, um, but then there's a lot where I pray and I, I personally don't see anything happen. And I think that that's the important thing is when you ask for this and you're like, Oh, I want it. I want it. God, let's go to be diligent. And I, I don't, I want your take on this. Cause I've, I've asked some people on this show, and I've said, why is it that, that, you know, you, some, you know, say you, you talk to someone, they're like, I had to pray for 500 people that I started seeing the Lord using me in that way. Or maybe it was, maybe it was less and it was like 70 people. And then you started, but, but regardless of that, there's a duration of time where it does seem like there was no visible fruit from what they could see. Now, obviously they don't know what happened. 20 minutes later, 30, 40 minutes later, three days later with the person when they were alone with the Lord, we don't know. And we'll find out when we get up to heaven. Uh, but, but from your perspective, why do you think there are, you know, durations of time where you may not see any fruit? So good, Jeff. That's a great yeah. question. Yeah. 
when we were um when we were in the healing when we decided that well you can't decide to have a healing ministry you've got to be called to have a healing mm. ministry so when we started then we put it in our hearts that this is the direction we're going to be praying for the sick it was just so hard Jeff. there was nights where there was no healings there mm. was nights where it was just embarrassing there was other nights where we messed up and i say that to equip and train other people i never come across as the one who's like the guru no yeah um, we messed up so much i remember this is funny this is gonna make you laugh we were <laughs> we're having our meeting the glory of god was so strong the worship was so strong and there was many sick people who came and then this man came in with a wheelchair and i looked at him my heart was so full of compassion towards him and i did the mistake i sort of ignored everyone else who had a need and my focus was just on him and all i could think of god if you just healed him today if you just touched him today so i began i went and i prayed for him and when i was praying for him he began to move his toes and he was completely quadriplegic like for him to even move his toes that was a big thing yeah. so I carried away and then i was like sort of stopped the whole meeting and said to everyone oh so inexperienced jeff i was telling him let's all pray god is doing something well that's how far that's it, that's as far as it went he didn't really walk out of the wheelchair the whole atmosphere in the meeting was just like drained mm. i went home and for three days i was weeping oh man you know, angry was god why yeah. are you doing this why did you do this so long story short i was saying to the lord lord I am trying to grow the ministry. I am trying. Why didn't you heal him so that I can grow the ministry? And right. you not believe what he said to me, Jeff. <laughs> When I'm really upset, you wouldn't. It's not that you wouldn't talk to me, but I'm in a tantrum, so I yeah. wouldn't be hearing. Let you blow off some steam before he <laughs> laid it on you. Yeah. So after steam went off, I heard him tell me, Yvonne, we're doing two different things. Oh I man. Said, what do you mean he said you're trying to grow your ministry right I said yes aren't you he said no i'm trying to grow you mm. wow man I'm trying to, <laughs> because i'm trying to make you believe and settle it in your heart that i am the lord your healer mm. even if this man in the wheelchair did not get up i am the lord your healer you do not move by experiences of what you see it has to be settled in your heart that this is a lifestyle you see the sick you pray for the sick i remember once hearing reinhard bonke and i love him yep. and he said this once he said the holy spirit taught me if you are standing and praying for 100 people the first 99 do not get healed pray for the last one with an attitude that all the 99 got healed Mm. And he said this was an intense training. So you know what Jeff it is the heart of the father to heal from day one. But Amen. what God is doing God is raising up a minister who is strong in the Lord. He mm. is raising up another Smith Wigglesworth. He is raising up another Amy Simple McPherson. And for that to happen we've got to go through the experiences. On the other hand, let me encourage you with this testimony. Mm -hmm. I was hearing a minister who he was called into the house of a Muslim woman. And she said she heard that Jesus heals, so she said to him, "My son is um he's not just autistic, he's got this condition where all his bones are curled up." 
Oh, he's wow. a young man and she, he went in the rooms and it, he was just curled up in a ball. He looked beyond repair and uh, he looked at him and he said, okay, that's fine. Let me pray. So he laid his hands on him and this is what he said. This is good training for someone. He laid his hands and said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over this condition. And I command the body to come into alignment with its God-given design. Then he said, in the name of Jesus, every demon that is holding this man, get out of him now. Then he said, guess what happened after I said that? Like it was less than two minutes. And everyone said, what happened? What happened? He said, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so funny he said but let me tell you what happened after jesus didn't say stand and hang around he just said go in speak with authority lay your hands on the sick command them to be healed in the name of jesus and go um and he said many times jesus would pray for people like the lepers and they weren't healed instantly they were on their way to the priest and on the way they received the healing uh, so yeah. sometimes it's gradual so anyway, that same day, he received the call from the mother. And it was about nighttime. She was weeping, crying, shouting, screaming. He's like, what is going on? She said to him, you do not understand. A couple of hours after you left, the bones that were curling up like a ball, all of a sudden, they were loose. Wow. And my son, for the very first time in years, he is standing on his feet. Wow. So why is this minister seeing that? He settled it in his heart. The Bible says, your word, O Lord, is settled in the heavens. In other words, God is settled that Jesus paid for us. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. So we do not get knocked back when we pray and we don't get sick. We are not moved by results. Mm. We go, we do what we're called to do, and let God do what only God can do. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And I've, I have referenced this a lot on, on this show about praying for somebody. Don't settle it in your mind that, Oh God didn't heal this person and boohoo me. And, and oh, I look like an idiot and all this stuff. Um, it, because we don't know what happens afterwards. Like now that guy had the luxury of getting a phone call later. But if he had never seen that person ever again, they still got healed. And so for me, I know I'm going to get up to heaven and be like, God's going to be like, look, yes. and I'll be like, oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's just, you know, cause it's funny. I mean, I'm sure you've had experiences like this too, but sometimes the most profound moments that God used me where was when like, my prayer game was way off in terms of like, I'm like fumbling over my words and I'm all like sweaty and hot and embarrassed. And the person is like, bang, the Lord hits them, you know? And it's that diligence of pushing through. Cause sometimes you just, you feel off, but you continue to be obedient. You continue to do it. And all of a sudden somebody's like, and the thing you said, and the Lord really just got a hold of me, you know? And it's like, you're like, really? Like, God, that's what you chose to use, you know? So I think, it's so important to just get out of our our own space of like, oh, nothing happened. There, therefore, 
God doesn't heal. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't heal. Yeah. I need to find some, some, something that helps me feel better about where I'm at. Um, and it's just, that's not good. We don't, that's not what we do. You know, that's not what we're about, Yvonne. No. So. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. Now, back to the show. And you know, Jeff, what helped me a lot is when I learned this, I do not take the glory mm-hmm. and I do not take the blame. Yeah, that's good. Because many times we blame ourselves and we are hard on ourselves. We've got to understand that when we pray for someone to get healed, they are coming to us with so much baggage. Yep. We don't know their journey. We don't know if they may need to repent from something, mm-hmm. if they may to forgive. Sometimes God, you know, overtakes all that and still heals, but we just do not know. I've prayed for many people and nothing happened. And they go home and the Holy Spirit began to reveal to them that you need to forgive this person or that this person yeah. has done something and you've got to break mm-hmm. that person. And so we are called to be the workers of miracle. We work the miracle. In yeah. other words, God really wants this for me. It is mine. It is my inheritance. What is stopping it? And we work through the obstacles and the hindrances rather than saying, God allowed it. God is sovereign. Oh, look at Job. Oh, look at Paul and his thorn in the flesh. And we begin to quote scripture. We have no idea of the context. It wasn't even, and I'm not even going to go there now, but yes. That's for another show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. My question is how do cessationists, like understand apostles and prophets. Cause I mean, obviously they say, okay, well they were only for back then, but even today, um, I mean, is it just that they don't, they they're like, Nope, there are no prophets or apostles. And anybody who does is out of alignment with God and God's going to smite them. Like, what is that? What is that process in their mind? Like of explaining that stuff away? They are so scared to believe that there are modern day prophets. And um, this is what they say. They would say something like, if we are saying that God's still speaking through prophets and apostles, then God hasn't finished speaking. Mm. So if we are to believe that God's still speaking through prophets, it means that the Bible or the canon is not complete. It's incomplete. And they refuse to um, receive that. And we refuse to receive that. But when we talk about apostles and prophets, we're not talking about the authority of the scripture. We're not talking about that this particular prophet will release his latest book and it's going to be combined to the Bible. That is not what we're saying. So what really are we saying? First Corinthians 12 verses 28 and 30, it says, and God appointed these in the church. So this is New Testament. What did God appoint? Number one, apostles. Number two, prophets. Three, teachers. Then workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helpers, administrators. God appointed them in the church. So when we come to do that, um, Jeff, we've got to define what is meant by the term New Testament apostle. What is an apostle? Well, I really love... Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 2. These two words I would love to highlight. Let me read it and then we'll highlight it. It says, and when he had called his 12 disciples. So what were they before they were apostles? They were disciples. 
to him. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then it goes on to say, now the names of the 12 apostles, hang on a second, they were just disciples. That is in the same passage. So they entered the room as disciples. They left the room as apostles. Hmm. So what happened there? How could the, how could, why didn't the Bible say that he had called to him 12 apostles? No, they were disciples when he empowered them through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They ended up carrying a message because he gave them power and authority over unclean spirits. So now they have an assignment. Now they are empowered. Now they have a message. And so as a result, they are no longer disciples only. They are apostles. What is a New Testament apostle? It is someone who has a message, who God has empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and give this message. So if they were to settle that, it would make a big difference because we're not talking about the authority of Scripture. We're not talking about, I mean, as you can see, there's so much that we're dealing with as a nation right now. That's not written scripture. That's not written in the canon. But we need the voice of God to direct us as a nation as who to vote for, who to hear, you know, which media source is false and which media source is, um, is honest. We need that. Who would tell us that? That is not the canon. So there is a differentiation between we are not adding to the canon. We are not adding to the book of Acts. We are hearing God's voice for the now. What God wants to do, this is the purpose of apostles and of prophets. Yeah. So the other claim they have is that spiritual gifts were only given to the apostles. That's actually a complete false information. Yeah. And I'll tell you why it's false. Because we get to meet uh, new personalities, Stephen, and we get to meet Philip. Mm-hmm. Stephen and Philip, by the way, they were not apostles. They, Philip was, um, he was weighing on tables. He was a waiter. He was a server. You know, if you go to a restaurant and someone serves you food, well, people were coming to the church to eat. They were not looked after. And so the apostles said, we want to focus on the teaching of the word. So we are going to appoint um, servers. So Philip was a server, yet he was a worker of miracles. So if I was to say, hey, it was only apostles that were that had those spiritual gifts why did god allow those gifts to be with philip and with stephen why would luke give us two apostles and two non-apostles so who are the two apostles peter and paul who are the non-apostles philip and stephen and then another thing as well Many apostles, their name were not mentioned. So when I say God gave it to few apostles, that's false. The book of Acts says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. The Bible doesn't give us the names of those apostles. So in other words, why is it that Luke only mentions Paul and Peter? Because the intention of the writing of Acts is to focus on Paul's journey. Mm -hmm. But there were many apostles in Jerusalem that we don't get to hear about. 
I mean, Apostle John, he was sent or exiled into the um, island of Patmos. Mm-hmm. So we don't get to hear much. It's not right. because he has not received the gift. Of course he has. But he, but Luke was not focused on John. He was focused on Paul. Mm-hmm. So we need to see the context and what Luke is trying to do rather than saying, oh, only five people. I mean, cessation is told literally that there are five people who receive them. And they say, wow. Paul, Peter. Barnabas, Stephen, and Philip. And they don't really press hard on Stephen and Philip and Barnabas because they were not apostles. But again, that's very false because there were many, many others. And can we really claim just because five people were, um, what's the word, operated in spiritual gifts, can we actually claim that only five people received spiritual gifts? Mm. That's a lie too. Because yeah. we know that in the upper room, there was 120 yep. people. Yep. Let me put it in context. The mm-hmm. apostle Paul was a church planter. He was the only one really that was actively church planting. Does that mean that I can claim that church planting was only given by Paul and it ceased at the end of the apostolic age just because <laughs> Paul was actively church planting. Can't say that. Right. But we say that with spiritual gifts of Paul and Peter, they were the only ones. So it was given only to the apostles. It was given only to few. And here I am, um, Jeff, in three points, we were trying to dismantle this argument because it is stopping people from fulfilling their God-given purpose. In actual fact, you cannot fulfill your God-given purpose without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Jesus said it in Luke 24, and I think it's verse 49, where he says to them, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not start preaching. Do not do anything for me just yet until you have been empowered. And it's only then. I love how Paul goes to the Corinthians church and he says to them, when I came to you, I was fearful, I was trembling, but I did not, I came with the manifestation of the power of the spirit so that your faith does not rely on my good preaching. Mm. And, and, And Jeff, that really gets me. You get to hear today people talking about church leaders and they'll tell you, this guy's a really good communicator. Yeah. Oh, you should hear his fancy words and they're so scrumptious and yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and the apostle Paul says, I did not come to you with the eloquent yeah. and persuasive speech. You know, Apollos might have had them. He was trained in the school of Alexandria. He was an eloquent speaker, but I'm a, I, I, they called him a babble, a blabber because mm-hmm. the way he spoke, you know, he was bold. He just did not look as eloquent. And, you know, as we get to see preachers look today, but mm-hmm. he carried the power of the Holy Spirit to make sure that their faith does not rely on man persu- or persuasive arguments. Yep. But, you know, it is built on a foundation where you say, I don't know what happened to me, but I was blind. And today I see that is what God wants to do. He wants us to have our own real testimony and to be able to speak it with power and with authority. 
Amen. Amen. So really quick, let's go back over those three points just for the note takers out there. You're welcome, everybody. Um, so let's just, if you could quick run through the first, second and third sure. points of dismantling this, this argument, because sure. there may be some people who are like, I'm with you the whole way, but I do have relatives who are cessationists or a friend. I'm working on somebody at the, you know, a cashier at the supermarket, whatever the let's do it number one the first thing is is that the cessationists believe that apostles have ceased as well at the end of the apostolic era so we need to define what is an apostle what is the purpose of an apostle because then we'll understand when first corinthians said and god appointed apostles in the new testament church so for those that are taking notes i want you to note down matthew 10 verses 1 to 2. There's two words that we need to highlight. It says, and when he had called his 12 disciples, he empowered them, gave them power of unclean spirits to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And then he says, now the names of the 12 apostles. So they came in as disciples. They were empowered. They received the message to bring the kingdom of God to this planet. They are no longer called disciples. They're called apostles. So what is an apostle? It is someone who carries a message, who has been empowered to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to enforce God's rule and reign on this planet. The next argument is that it was only the apostles that received the miraculous gifts, and it was only for a few of them. Again, to dismantle this argument, we meet two people, um, and Philip and Stephen. Both of them were not apostles. They were servers. They served on table, helping the widows to eat. And so they operated in signs and wonders. No wonder why Luke places two apostles and two non-apostles. We get to see Peter and Paul as the apostles and then Stephen and Philip as the non-apostles. Another thing as well is that it was only few apostles. Not all the apostles carried the spiritual gifts. That's false because in Acts 5.12, we don't get to hear of all the names of the apostles, but we are told that there were many apostles and that they operated in signs and wonders. Like, for example, what happened to the apostle James? What happened to the apostle John? There were many, many, many apostles at that time. So why is it that we only get to focus on Peter, P Peter and Paul? It's because Luke focused on Peter at the start and Paul at the end. It wasn't because he was trying to say, hey, only two people received them. And then can we claim that if five people, like he says Barnabas as well, five people operated in him, does that mean five people received them? How? When we know that it's actually crazy, Jeff, because 120 in Acts, go to Samaria. Let's go to um, Acts. Acts 8, when Philip, Philip, not even the apostles, when right. Philip went down to Samaria, right, all this evangelistic, evangelistic activity was happening. And there was just so much happening. Go to Acts 19, 
So at that time, there was many, many, many believers who had received the power of the gift of the Holy Spirit and they received spiritual gifts. So we cannot claim that a few and that only two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another thing as well that I forgot to say. This is quite interesting. This is Mark 9:38. When John said to Jesus this, he said to him, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us, but he's casting out demons in your name. Should we stop him? Ha! Yep. And he said to him, Why are you trying to stop him? If someone is not against us, he is with us. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't say, How dare does this man? operate in <laughs> with the miraculous yeah. and i tell you what this is only i i like a small section of the argument i can pile up if we go to acts 19 if we go to acts 8 if we go to the epistles it is packed with um the corinthians church the apostle paul says to them you come short of no gifts are you trying to tell me that every member in this congregation had spiritual gifts yes he did mm-hmm. and here i am saying that they ceased at the end of the apostolic age i know people they know nothing about the holy spirit and as soon as they just pray they begin to speak in tongues right yeah how do we stop how do we stop that who can stop yeah. that river that is yep. flowing into people's hearts today mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of the gospel that's the beauty of what jesus did is that Someone, and we've all heard stories about people who had no support structure and they just start, they become a Christian. Maybe they're the only Christian in their home. They start really living out the word and they start seeing God use them in crazy ways. Like there's no, if, if, if you're, if your foundation is cessationism, you have no gauge for something like that. And then what God let, let we, let alone what God is doing in the Muslim world right now. Like, how do you explain a man in white appearing to people either in dreams or literally people? Yes, literally. (laughs) How do you explain that away? You can't like, it it just, yeah. So, (laughs) and, and, and you look at what's happening in Korea, you look at what's happening in the underground churches. Mm -hmm. I tell you what's happening in Saudi. Like there are underground churches. If they get caught, they'll be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And yet they're speaking in tongues. And I tell you, no one will come to, and I'm not trying to attack anyone, but no one will come to a cessationist view unless otherwise they've been indoctrinated. Yeah. So we've got to pay attention to our belief system because I tell you what, Jeff, our belief is the doctrines, which is the belief that we, they are like, the um the direction of our ship so if i just cancel out all the stuff the holy spirit is so gentle holy spirit will be like i'll just wait you know jesus says i stand at the door and i just keep on knocking Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna force the door open i'm never gonna force myself it's only when we come and say lord i am so ready i it wasn't by coincidence that i heard this program i am i am so ready to be used to be empowered by you and we begin to become humble and repent. Mm. If we, I always say that, um, Jeff, when I received the power of the Holy Spirit, I heard God for the very first time. And this is the first thing he ever said to me. He said, I want you to become a child. 
Wow. And I said, oh, really? Why? He said, because I'm about to delete, delete everything that you have known about me. And I want to educate you myself. Would mm-hmm. you allow me to, ed- to educate you? And then it was later on that I learned that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit teaches us all truth. Mm-hmm. So if you are doubting what we're saying, go to the Holy Spirit, be open, and God will surround you left, right, and center. He'll bring people to you. He'll bring books to you. He'll bring the show to you until you're like, okay, Lord, this is really you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Man. Yes. Well, do you have any book suggestions? You and I talked a little bit beforehand. You've recommended some to me because we've talked about this back and forth in a couple of emails, but go ahead and recommend those books. Sure. So here we go. This this is a really good book, everyone. Yes, <laughs> Jeff is good <laughs> as well. Um, so this, this book is actually about, um, there was a conference held by John MacArthur and he claimed that the fire that we have is, um, a strange fire. And you get to hear that story in Leviticus chapter 10 and verses 1 when Aaron's sons presented strange fire and the judgment of God came against them. So this whole conference was meant to really demolish the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So as a result, many, many scholars, they got together and they wrote one chapter in this book to defend that position from a solid balanced biblical perspective so if you buy this book just take your time in reading um you will get to hear many many people like jack dree um and john ruthven amazing people they were hard hardcore cessationists and they um encountered the power of the holy spirit this is john ruthven as well on the um cessationist of the curse <laughs> 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 and he is just awesome. He lived as a cessationist all his life until God encountered him in the most amazing way. He's a scholar. So he will really explain to you um, everything that I've written and even in much, much more depth. But these books will definitely help you, especially if you're trying to understand it so you can help family members and those that are um, grounded in the faith. And you know, Jeff, I call church leaders. I call church leaders. If you come across this program, let's be humble. Let's come to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, would you re-educate me again? I'm here, you know, just to learn. I always tell God, I want you to take me deeper. I want you to show me the truth. I am always searching for the truth. So let's be humble because I just feel, Jeff, someone's going to watch this and I feel they're like a youth leader. The Lord is just showing them to me. And they are just tired of tradition and tired of thinking, is that it, God? Like, I've given you my heart. Mm -hmm. And I just feel in my heart. And I know a word of, this is a word of knowledge. The name is James. And Mm -hmm. I know, James, you will be writing to Elijah Fire. Because the Lord, as you just received this word, I sense fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Fill you afresh and use you in a mighty way. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Amen. Um, Really quick. I meant to actually talk about this during the show. uh, The the bulk of the show um, is really quick. Why I've noticed there are a lot of theologians, biblical scholars who do seem to align a little bit more in the vein of cessationism 
Um, maybe there aren't as many now. I don't know. But why you and I have talked a little bit about this, but I wanted you to kind of explain why that is, because it seems like there are a lot of people who are maybe in the more Pentecostal arena who aren't as educated in that way. Um, why do you think that is? And do you see that changing? Have you been noticing that changing? I absolutely, um, Jeff, I do. I, I, I have been meeting even through my education. I'm mm -hmm. studying to be a doctor of ministry, doctor oh, of yeah. church. <laughs> <laughs> so my heart is to be educated. And I know there are many, many now that are being educated. When you gotta, you got to understand that the, when the charismatic uh, movement was burst, there was no um, focus on education. So, and a lot of radical views were just released, you know, like if you're sick, you have a demon in you, you know, or if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Mm -hmm. So I, am, I know there's a lot of wrong beliefs that have come on the platform. And so as a result, our brothers and sisters who are cessationists, they know the Bible. This is mm -hmm. the thing. They are solid in the word. We are not, we need to be grounded in the word, if we were to minister and to be faithful to the call of God. And um, so, yes, absolutely, many are being educated. And I always say this, Jeff, that the word alone dries you up. The spirit alone puffs you up. But the word and the spirit, you get built up. Yeah, that's good. So when you have a balanced view of the Holy Spirit, what God says, you're actually going to help someone rather than, you know, this is who we are. Take it or leave it. It's not mm -hmm. about take it or leave it. It's about you are there to explain to people um, what God wants for them. So, yes, there's mm -hmm. definitely been a shift and there's definitely and many um, of them are actually encountering the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jack Dree, I love his story. He wrote a book saying surprised by the Spirit because mm -hmm. he wrote books and books and books against and when he encountered the Holy Spirit, he goes, oh, my God, I did a whole doctorate that's a mess now. Because mm. my whole theology yeah. is, you know, so, yes, God is so faithful. God loves them because they are faithful. By the mm. way, in their heart, they're defending the faith. They're not, you know, they're faithful believers. Yeah. They're just defending. The, they just don't want us to go astray. In mm. addition to that, Jeff, that I need to highlight that yeah. a lot of Pentecostals, we run after the gifts, and I love the gifts, but we don't build a character. Mm -hmm. so we end up falling. Yeah, and that brings a lot of hurt because mm -hmm. people are like, "Wasn't he just casting out demons?" Aha! Uh -huh. Therefore, that doesn't exist because yeah. if this person is doing that, they must be using demonic powers to do that. I don't want to mm -hmm. have anything, and I want to say that the misuse of a gift doesn't mean that the gift doesn't exist. In actual fact, if there are counterfeit gifts, that means there are genuine gifts. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to just, I mean, I don't like it when someone prays with someone and says, I'm going to do this sound with my voice, repeat it, you've spoken in tongues. I hate that. That's <laughs> Me <true>. too. <laughs> it's like when I received the Holy Spirit, I was by myself in my car. I had never heard anybody speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit baptized me. It was such a genuine, real, I cannot deny it, even yeah. if I was to become Same. a martyr for that. Because mm -hmm. I know deep down it was God. Yeah. So we as, you know, the charismatics, we need to be more accountable. We need yeah. to be humble. We, yep. need to be, we need to build our character rather than just saying we've got it all 
because we know we do it's not true we've arrived you haven't you guys need to change i think that's i love that you said that you said it earlier in the show too because i think that yes there are aspects within you know um you know cessationist churches uh people that hold that ideology that yeah there is some reformation that needs to take place but guess what there is reformation that needs to take place within the charismatic movement as well and i love that you said that because we need to that's why it's important when we do hear those counter arguments from people like john MacArthur, who i have i we talked about this before the show i have no ill will towards him as a matter of fact there's some things he says one of the things he said in his opening statements in this strange fire conference he said one of the one of the most crucial things that the church needs right now is discernment and i said out loud i said i 100% agree with him yes, yes they do but yes. what where we fall on that line his definition of that versus mine differ for sure but i can take a measured approach and go i agree and i think it's really important to not let our pride get in the way and be like how could he <gasps> Uh, you know, and we get worked up and then we start to view an us versus them mentality when we're all part of the same body of Christ. And I think that God so desires for us to to come together. And yes, there are people that are are teaching wrong doctrine about no gifts, no healings, no apostles, no prophets, no nothing. That's wrong. That that that's that's inaccurate. But I don't view them as the enemy. They're not the enemy. And no. Um, and so, yeah, I just love that you said that. I think it's so important because um, there's a lot of people, there's so many people right now that came from non-charismatic, whatever, and are, we're all meeting in the middle. God is bringing us all back to him. And I love it. And it's like, he's going to pour out his spirit on everybody. He wants to pour his heart out or his spirit out on John MacArthur. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is what I, this is the approach I take everybody. I just pray that he has an encounter. That he cannot deny in Jesus' name. And I Everybody agree. He cannot be worse, not worse, but you know, tough than the Apostle Paul. Like right? you know, John yeah. MacArthur is not walking around killing Christians. Right. Now, when when the Apostle Paul encountered that, you get to see how he repeats his testimony three times. He is in his trial. He's about to lose his head. And he is telling the governor, I don't understand what happened to me. But I fell off my horse. I found myself on the ground. I saw this. This happened to me. So what we need to do as those who we feel receive the power of the Holy Spirit to pray for our brothers and sisters and say, Father, in actual fact, I just feel that, Jeff, I feel we should pray. You yes. know that God, Lord Jesus, would you, Father, intensify your presence. Mm -hmm. Father, would you, Lord, we, we join with the apostles' prayer in Acts 4.29. We say, Father, would you stretch out your hands to heal and perform miraculous signs in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, that they will encounter you with dreams and with visions. Father, that you are so gentle. And right now, Lord, we release your glory into their homes, Father. And Lord, I release your Holy Spirit in greater measure, that they will feel your love, that they will be open and be hungry and be like, Lord, I want this. And Father, I pray, Lord, for us charismatics to be humble and to work, Lord, in our character and to come, Lord, and, and just love our brothers and sisters. I come against judgment. I come against words of condemnation, Lord, so that we could stop tearing the body down. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I feel 
to pray for the young particles, young people, Lord, young men and young women to be set ablaze, Lord, for you, to love you, Lord, to encounter you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, that, that they will come to this episode and, Lord, drug addiction in the name of Jesus shall be broken, that demons will leave them even as they are hearing the sound of my voice right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, that cancer will leave their bodies. I take authority right now over sickness and disease. And Father, I just thank you because you are healing right now. You are moving, Lord, in the name of Jesus with such power. And we just thank you, Father. I thank you for what you're doing right now. I thank you for what you're doing in this country right now. Thank you for what you're doing globally right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. You release that latter glory. Release it right now, Father. And I just thank you because every word we request is a yes and amen through our beloved Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen and amen and amen. Wow. Yes. Oh, man. Man, I felt that. Yeah, that amen. <laughs> yes. Yes and amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So Yvonne, how can people follow you on the yes. socials? Yes. Thank you, Jeff. So it's Celebrate Freedom Ministries. Um, and yes, you can just go to the website and uh, follow us. I think you're great. I think your husband is great. I Thanks. love that you guys, you, you come at things from a biblical perspective. Because I mean, I love the word I, so much. I think it's so great. And it's so important to know the word. Um, case in point, I didn't, uh, I, for years, I, you know, I didn't think prophecy was a thing. And then, uh, you know, and I believe it's in second Corinthians, um, Paul was like, desire all gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And I'm like, I've read this how many times? And I just didn't even what, you know, and then realizing that, you know, like that kind of started my journey too. So, wow. um, but I, yeah, I, I love that you and your husband are about the word, but you you know, it's like the spirit and the word merging, you know, and, and it's great. Oh, it's so awesome. I also put, we're going to put in the description, all the books that we mentioned as well. So you can go with this, but also you have a book as well. I have talk, a book review. Talk about that. Healer. Oh God. I yes. You weren't prepared for this. I wasn't Keep even that. Yeah. <laughs> Revealing the healer. Yes. I, I'm sure Jeff, you put it in the description. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Front and center. Uh, but this is a book about our journey. What I love about this book, Jeff, is that it's it, I don't come across as this, you know, healing evangelist that does it all. No, we I go through all the failures and the nitty gritty as we nitty, as yeah, yeah. All the persecution, what people said about me, how we overcame that, and mm -hmm. how now I'm in a position where honestly, Jeff, nothing will shake me in the ministry. Mm -hmm. I dream healing, I walk healing, I speak healing. Mm -hmm. It's just my DNA. So God called us to train. The body of Christ, he didn't call us to make converts, but disciples, Amen. those who will be a disciple of the word. So that Amen. book has it all and it exposes lies after lies. If you tell someone, hey, why aren't you practicing in the ministry of healing? They'll give you a hundred excuses. Those excuses are they. And so you'll find, you'll be like, okay, at the end of it, we are going to stop preaching the excuses gospel. No excuses. Mm, amen. Amen. Everybody, it sounds like everybody's going to see a little bit of themselves <laughs> yeah. in, in your testimony. So that's good. 
That's good. Well, thank you so much, Yvonne. This was great. We're going to do it again because you're such a a resource. um, And I want to really, I want to embrace that and showcase it. So um, everybody, that was our show. Thank you so much. Comment down below. Let us know how the Lord has impacted you, touched you through this. Um, You know, it's important to share your testimonies for one another because this is not the Jeff and Yvonne show. This is all about Jesus. And you guys have just as much ability to minister to one another as well. So get to it and let's let's just, yeah, all that good stuff. So share, we want to see those testimonies, all that good stuff. We're going to see you tomorrow. God bless. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.